Well, I'm glad that you're tuning into part number last of what we've been looking at, if I only had, and we've been filling in the blanks, that if I only had more time, that we'd looked at this, if I only had more friends, if I only had more money, that, that we've just looked at these different things, if I only had one more chance, and all of those are, are worth looking at and considering, and what can we do with all of that? But, but see, last week we started looking at this from a little bit different perspective. And the last week as we started looking at this, we started looking at it from this standpoint. If I only had no more regrets. No more regrets. What would it look like for me to live a life with, with no more regrets? And as I was teaching that, I, I even shared with you up front that, that this is going to be a to be continued. I can't get all the way through what I want to get through when it comes to this idea of no more regrets. And so when we look, about, when we look at this and we, we consider what this whole thing about regrets is, is, is that regrets is a memory from the past, but it causes pain in our present. That, that, that's what regrets are. It's, just, it's a memory from the past that it causes pain in our present. And, and when, we, when we think about regrets, the regrets come in three sizes. They, they come in these small sizes. They, they come in this medium size. And they go from medium size all the way to, to a super-sized regret. That there's no in-between when it comes to that medium before we get all the way to super-sized regrets. Well, as we continue the thought process on this, of, of this living a life, if I only had no more regrets, just thinking about some of the regrets that, that people have, looking at some surveys and finding out that 25% of us end up regretting a selfie that we've shared. It's like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have sent that selfie, or I wish I wouldn't have sent that selfie to that person. And we do, we, we end up regretting it. 29% of people that are 34 years of age and older, they regret something that they put on social media that they think could jeopardize their career. And then 31% of people that have a tattoo regret getting at least one of the tattoos that they have. Just regrets. So we, we know what it's like to have regrets. And see, the, the pain of regret comes when we take a pass on the pain of restraint. That it, it, when we take a pass on this pain of restraint, that, that we end up feeling more of this pain of regret. Because see, it's, it's both restraint and regrets bring pain. Both of them bring pain in our life. But the pain of restraint, it is so much shorter than the pain of regrets. That, that, that when we look at, at how long does that pain last? The, the pain of restraints, it does it always last so much shorter than the pain of regrets. I, I think about some of my pain of restraints. That, that for me, I, I, I made the choice and I determined and I, and I, was de I had decided at a young age that, that I was going to be somebody that was going to save my virginity for my wedding day. And, and, and that was painful to have that restraint through my teenage years, through my early 20s. That was painful. But it was absolutely worth it. That, that it's, it's painful sometimes 
when it comes to the money that, that's, that's not being spent on, on these things that I want, these things that I desire, these things that I crave. And it's painful to, to not spend that when I look and see, but I, I've got the money in my bank. But it's because I, I don't want to spend that because I want to have this restraint so that I don't regret that I, I wouldn't give generously back to God that I wouldn't give him my, my tithe, and I want to be somebody that, that I'm doing more than just a tithe, that, that I'm, I'm giving to other ministries and other causes and even to other people at times and times of need. But it's this pain of restraint that's keeping me from spending everything that I have available to me in the moment. That, that it's, it's painful sometimes, this pain of restraint, that when you're angry with somebody, when I'm angry, and there's some things that come to mind and I just want to say them, I want to blurt them out. And the pain of restraint, it's painful to not say what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. But the pain of regret, if I were to let that out in that heat of the moment, would last so much longer than the pain of the restraint of not saying what I'm feeling in the heat of the moment. I wonder how many of us will end up regretting. When we look back at this time in history, this, this March, this April, maybe even into May of 2020, when we look back, I wonder how many of us are gonna have more pain of regret than we do pain of restraint. Because see, during this time when there's this call for social distancing, there's this call for, for work safely, where we would minimize the kind of action and interaction that we're having with people, I wonder how many of us are going to look back and we're going to have a greater pain of regret because we weren't careful enough, we weren't cautious enough. And it might not even be how it affects you individually or how it would affect me individually and my own personal health, but maybe what I might have contributed to for somebody else's health that isn't quite as healthy as what I am or what you might be and it's going to take some pain of restraint this pain of restraint to do this social distancing because it is it, it it's painful socially to do this that, that it's it's even painful financially that there are people and maybe you're one of them that you're going I'm not able to bring in as much as what I was bringing I'm being forced to use sick leave or vacation I'm on part-time now and it's painful financially. It's painful as, as business owners. As a business owner myself, not talking about the church, but a business I own and, and having our doors shuttered and so paying our employees, it, it's painful. I know that. It's painful spiritually when we feel like we can't physically get around other people. We can't come into church and gather together. But the pain of restraint will be worth it for us to get through all of this and let's not be people that, that we end up having the pain of regrets instead of the pain of restraints. Happify.com, a website that, that is all about, hey, what are some things that you could be doing, some things that you could be practicing to increase your happiness? They do several different studies. They do some research. They pull things in from other people. And so I just want to share with you some of the things that, that I got from them is that they did some research and study and found that 90% of people, they, they say, they identify that they have a major regret 
90% of us have a major regret. This is something that we can all relate to. That, that regret, this was interesting. I never thought about this. They, they shared this, that, that regret is the second most mentioned emotion of all time. See, the first is love. And then right after love, that the second most mentioned, talked about, spoken about emotion. Not anger. Regret. They also looked at some research that was done by Northwestern's Kellogg's School of Management when it comes to our big regrets. That these, these things right here, and, and as they did a study on this, they identified our five biggest regrets. That, that what we end up regretting as people. And when, when we look at these biggest regrets, these, these most significant regrets that we end up having, is that they, they saw that, that when it comes to who we are, that this is the, the biggest regret that we share. That, that 18% of our regrets are with love. It, it, it's where we experience this, this brokenness when it comes to romance and love. And we do, we, we, we experience the, the, the heartbreakingness of that. The, the, the right behind that, that 16% of the major regrets deal with a broken home. It, it deals with the, the relationships that aren't, not the romantic ones, but the ones that are family-based. And, and the regrets that we have with how we act and behave around our family. And 16% of us end up having this one as a major regret. That they identified that 13% of us, that, that for us a, a major regret is with our education. That, that something was broken there. Whether it was that we didn't give our best that we wish that we could have gone back and, and taken it more seriously and, and learned. We were in great environments to be learning, but we just didn't choose to. Whether well, there's the regret of that, that we, we decided that we were going to put it off and that we'd get around to it later. Whether well, there's the regret of that we wish that we would have gone somewhere else to get our education, but, but 13% of major regrets deal with education. And then 12% of our major regrets. They deal with our careers. This, this, this broken career, this brokenness that we end up experiencing because of the choices that we made or even the lack of choices that we end up making. And the last major regret is one that is at the 10% level. And some of you might hear that and go, what, that's only 10%? but it's the financial regrets. It's the financial regrets. It's, it's, it's this major regret of, of what we did or didn't do concerning the management or the making of money. These are some major regrets. And the studies showed as they kept doing their research on happify.com, as they kept doing their research, studies show that, that we are more likely to regret things that we do not do 
more so than regretting the things that we've done. That, that, that for us, that, that when we look back and, and we think about our regrets, that, that, that there's two different kinds, right? There's that regret of, if I only hadn't. And, and when we have those kind of regrets, it's the, the, the arousing of these memories of things that we wish we could take back, things we wish that we could undo. And then there's the regret of, if only I had And these haunt us. They haunt us with these expired opportunities. If only I had, and we think about these things that we wish that we would have done that they have expired now. When I think about this and and everything within the whole realm of regrets is when your plate is full and your heart is empty, you are more likely to make regrettable decisions, right? When, when, when your plate's full, that, that when, when there you are and, and you go, hey, I, 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 I have all these things and all these responsibilities, all these things that I've got to be doing, and, 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 and you keep looking at them, it seems like things keep being added to the plate quicker than what they get taken off. And when your plate is full and yet your heart, it's empty, that, that, that you're going, I, 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 I need somebody to pour in because it is completely empty. I've got nothing left to give that when your plate is full and your heart is empty, it puts you in a position where you are more likely to make regrettable decisions. You know, some of the things that we regret, they're, they're beyond our control. That it's beyond our say. If only, if only my family had more money when I was growing up. If, if only my parents would have stayed together. If only I hadn't been abused. If only I had been affirmed more as a child. These are things that are beyond our control. I don't know how much you've looked at this book in our Bible called Psalms. But Psalms, it literally means songs. And so it's, it's these songs that were, that were written and they were sung over and over and over again by these different psalmists. And King David happened to be one that contributed the most to all of our psalms. But when you look at these psalms, that everything that the, the, the psalms declare about God being our rock, about God being our fortress, about God being our shield, about God being our hedge of protection, about God being our shepherd. Everything that you read in our Psalms, it is absolutely true. But when you read the Psalms carefully, when, when you begin to dig in and you, and you match up what's happening in the Psalms with the people that are writing them and what's going on in their lives when they're writing them, that what you will end up discovering is that all of the accolades that get ascribed to God in these songs, all of these accolades, they, they happen when people were facing the worst personal circumstances. It, 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 it's when life is at its most difficult time that these psalmists, they are praising and recognizing the greatness of God. Let's look at one of these psalms together. This is a psalm that that people that have never even cracked open a page of a Bible, they've heard this one. It's the 23rd psalm. David wrote this. 
said, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows and he leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me that your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies and you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. David wrote this psalm when he was being hunted by the king. And he recognized God's goodness in the midst of the most difficult of circumstances. So life without regrets. If I only had no more regrets. Is that something that you want to take to heart? I want to share with you a life with no more regrets requires. And I want to share with you four things that this requires. That it's going to require plans. That, that you have to make some plans. That, that These advanced plans that you have to decide in advance. What is it that I am going to do that you would determine to do. The deciding in advance to live a life with no more regrets, deciding that in advance and making a plan for that. This is how we minimize the regrets and we don't have to have if I only had and we'd fill in the blank. But we would make plans. I tell you, one of the plans that, that I'd love for you to make if you've not done this already, that if you've not really joined our church and, 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 and understood what it's like to, to be a member of Crosspoint, that, that I would love for you to make plans to be part of our growth track. And, and our growth track was, was intended to start today, but it's, we, got, we pushed it. And the reason we pushed it is because we, we're not sure when we're going to be gathering again. We know we're not going to be gathering next week at Easter. But we're not sure when we will be able to gather again. And so we've made plans to adjust to be able to do this online. And that we're going to be able to do this in, in a video conferencing way. And so if you're somebody that go, hey, I, I want to find out more about that. Then we'd love for you to sign up and be part of Growth Track 1. That, that you can go to our website, crosspoint247.com forward slash events. And you can go there and you can see how you can sign up. Because our Growth Track, we're going to be doing this. We're going to start this on April 19th is when we're shifted the dates to start. And we're gonna be doing it at our 9.30 hour on that Sunday, the, the 19th and the 26th. We'll take a two week break and then we'll pick it up the last two weeks in May again for Growth Tracks 3 and Growth Tracks 4. But Growth Track 1 is about belong. And what does it mean to be able to, to belong? Even when we can't gather together that you can belong and I'd love for you to make plans to be part of that. A life with no more regrets, it requires plans. A life with no more regrets, it requires discipline. That yeah, you, you make the plans, but then you have to have the discipline to follow through 
with the plans. This, this is a, another area where I'm just, I'm just really proud of what our staff is doing to be able to, to, to make these plans and to have the discipline to follow through and say, hey, here's what we can be doing for you. And so when you look at this, one of the things that, that we have happening is for our parents, that we have a resource that you can go to crosspoint247.com forward slash parents. And, and that you can, whether you have clubhouse age, that, that's preschool age kids, whether you have elementary age kids, whether you have kids that are in the intermediate grades, junior high, high school, we've got resources all the way through that, that you as a parent, that, that you could be disciplined enough that you'd go, hey, I want to get involved with my kids' spiritual development, especially at a time that they can't be gathering with others. And that, that, that we've got small groups that are happening, and they're happening with, within video chats, and it's just, it's a great way. These resources are incredible for you. And that, that you don't just, I don't want your parents to just, to just plan to be involved in your kid's life. That we say all the time that, that parents, we want to partner with you when it comes to the spiritual development of your kids. It's a partnership. Don't dump it all on us. And, and, and we're not gonna be the church that's gonna abandon you and leave it all up to you. That we get to work together. And so yes, make plans for that, but then have the discipline to follow through. I also wanna give a shout out to people that aren't on our staff. Pe people that are, that are doing things, that they're being disciplined in the way that they're connecting with other people. From our journey team leaders, to, to our small group leaders, to people that are involved with the Bling ministry and what they're doing with their Facebook page, their Bling outreach page, and, and just staying connected with women with a daily video. See, it's about being disciplined and making sure that there's not going to be the regrets. A life with no more regrets, it needs plans. Yes, it needs disciplines, yes. And the third thing it needs is it needs checkups. It needs checkups. That, 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 that we need to check up. We, we need to say, hey, I need to look and see. What am I doing? Am I doing what I plan to do? Am I doing what I had said I was going to do? Am I staying with the discipline of how I said, yes, I'm going to stick with it? But we need a checkup. We, we need to self-evaluate and see, am I where I said I was going to be? Am I there? Then we need to have a checkup. The reason that we need to do this is because we've told ourselves, these are, these are things that I'm going to do. These are what are important to me. But we need to check up to make sure we're still there. When we do the checkup, is there, is there one thumb up? Are we doing good? Are there two thumbs up that we're doing? Wow, we're so much better off of this than what we thought we were going to be doing. Is there no thumbs? It's kind of, I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at. Is, is there a thumbs down? It's the checkup where you get to find out where am I with the plans that I said I was going to do, with, with the discipline that I had started at one point. And the last thing for you to look at here is a life with no more regret. It requires course correction. Because see, we, we drift, right? That, that, that it's just a, a slow magnetic pull away from what we've said that we wanted to do and be and become. And so we need some course correction. When we have a chance to change for the better, we will feel guilty when we don't. And what is guilt? We looked at this last week, that guilt, it's a gift. 
It's a gift for us to see what we could and should be doing and how we could be doing something more with our lives. The regret, it can help us more than any other negative emotion if we will let it. It can help us. It helps us make sense of our past experiences, that it helps us to, to lead us to avoid making more mistakes, that when we look at these regrets, regrets can cause us to fix our mixed steps, to go, I want to go back, I want to change some things, that we can use them. But if we could avoid regrets, we would be better off. And how do we avoid them? Better decisions always lead to fewer regrets. We need to be making better decisions. That, that, that I don't want to enter into eternity and regret wishing that I'd lived my life differently. I, I, don't, I don't want that regret. I, I, I don't want to be on my deathbed and be on that and have the thoughts of, if I only had, and thinking about the things that I could have done. I don't want those kind of regrets. That when I get near the end of my life and I look back, I, I want to have thoughts like, I, I'm glad that I, and, and, and I fill in the blank, I'm, I'm grateful for and things that I, I recognize and that I responded to. I, I want to be able to be at a place that goes, God, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. That's where I want to be. See, we won't make stupid choices. We won't make second best choices. We won't make sinful choices. If, if we focus on living our life with God's best plans for our life. That this is how we end up avoiding these. That, that, that when we do this and we do what is right in God's eyes. Research is a share with us that social regret, it looms the largest because of our need to belong. And, and, and when we do things that, that jeopardize belonging with others, connecting with others, when we do things that, that break, we, we, we regret, they, research say that that's what looms the largest. But I think there's one more thing that is even larger. And that is, in light of eternity, the biggest regret will be not believing in Jesus when we had the chance here on earth. That in light of eternity, that is going to be the biggest regret that anybody could ever have. I want to look at a, a passage with you, and it's in two different sections, and as we look at this together, I'm not going to unpack very much of it because it's, it's written so well that it just kind of lays out the story of, of, of these two people that, that we're going to get to see. It's in Mark. We're going to start in chapter 5, verse 21. It says, Jesus got into the boat again, and he went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, that'd be like a church for us, uh, the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little girl is, is dying, he said. He said, please, please come and, and lay your hands on her, heal her so that she can live. 
That Jairus had seen enough in Jesus to know that he had the power to do this. And so he comes and he pleads and begs with Jesus. And Jesus went with him. And all the people followed, crowding around him. They're going, hey, we, we want to see this. This must be legit. Let, let, let's go and see this. Could, could you imagine the relief that Jairus felt? That, that I think about that if ever there was hope, you know, what, what do we do when we know life is difficult, life is tough? As we turn, most of us, we, we turn to God in prayer. Most of us, even if we don't even believe in God, it, it's where we start having a little bit of faith and say, okay, God, I'm not sure if you're there, but if you are, and, and we begin to pray and ask God to come through for us. We do, we ask him to come through in Jairus. He didn't ask God to come through, he asked God to come over. Will, will you come over? Will you lay your hands, your healing hands on my daughter so that she would maybe be healed? And Jesus, God himself, agreed. And now he's on his way. It, it's incredible news. Verse 25, a woman in the crowd had suffered 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything that she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. That's all she's got on her mind. If I could just touch his robe. She reaches out and she does. She touches his robe. Verse 28, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. She's got more faith than Jairus. And he's a leader of the synagogue. Because Jairus is like, Jesus, your hands had to get on my daughter. And she's like, this woman's like, I just got to touch his robe. What, something that's on him is all I need in order to be healed. And immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once the healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? The disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask, who touched me? The disciples, they hadn't realized what Jesus had realized. Jesus knew what had flown out of him and, and, and into this woman, this healing power. Verse 32, but he kept on looking around to see who had done it. You know, I've wondered when it comes to this woman, I've wondered if the woman who touched him ended up regretting doing that at this point. I wonder where her regrets were. I wonder if it was this sense of, now I'm going to be singled out. Now everybody's going to know what my issue was. Now it's going to be as if I stole this from Jesus. Maybe it would have been better for me to just keep on going with my issue. I don't know, but I've wondered this about it. That for her, did she begin to calculate which was going to be more painful? Being singled out and called out. Or just continuing on with this bleeding issue. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her. She came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him, 
what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. There's a difference in the contentment of just hanging around Jesus and having the kind of faith that you want to connect and touch Jesus. And when I think about our life and just what we go through, that God won't always change the circumstances, but he is always willing to help you change. He's always willing to help you change. Sometimes he will change the circumstances that we pray and ask for, but other times he's just going to end up changing us so that we can get through the circumstance that we are in. It's what he does. Well, let's continue reading. Verse 35. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Talk about regret. Of of Jairus, of of regretting that that this woman had, had interrupted Jesus. Regretting that he didn't come to Jesus sooner. Regrets, I can only imagine, filling Jairus at this point. Before his mind could start wondering into all of the what ifs. Verse 36, but Jesus overheard them and he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Don't be afraid, just have faith. See, those are some good words for us today that that we could easily be fearing this health crisis. We could easily be fearing this financial crisis. Jairus, he was confused. He was afraid. He was feeling hopeless. The next time that you're confused and afraid and feeling hopeless, we need to look to Jesus. And Jesus told us, do not be afraid. Have faith that what he told Jairus, I believe, is the same thing he would be telling us. Verse 37, then Jesus stopped the crowd and he wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. And he went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. 
See, it looked like it was the end. And here's the thing, that God can take what seems like an ending and he can turn it into a new beginning. See, our regrets might cause us to think, you know what, that, that, that's, that's the ending, never going to recover, never going to recruit. And he can turn it into a new beginning. So you can't make God move in your life, but you can make room in your life for God to move. So, so, so there's nothing we can do to conjure up and force God to do something on our behalf. But we can make room in our heart and in our life for God to move. So the greatest regret that anybody is ever going to be able to have, it, it's, it's not going to be these regrets up here. It, it's not going to be this regret of, of this broken romance. It's not going to be the regret of a, a broken home, even though it's painful. It's not going to be the regret of a, a broken education. It's not going to be the regret of a broken career or broken finances. The greatest regret that anybody is ever going to have is when somebody chooses to not believe in Jesus in this lifetime. It will be their biggest regret and it will follow them all the way into eternity. I don't know where you're at. It's church online. Maybe, maybe most everybody watching, you're going, I'm not going to have that regret, and I'm so grateful. But maybe you've tuned in. Maybe the, the things that's happening in the world has caused you to say, I, I just need to find out if there's something there for me. Does the church know something I don't know? Maybe you need Jesus, and you've never thought about this before. And if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, then text the key word, child of God, all one word, child of God, to 555-888. That if you're somebody, you're going, I, I, I want, I want this. I don't want to have the regret that's going to last for all of eternity of being separated from God the Creator, from Jesus the Savior. And the only way you're not going to have that regret by choosing to believe and follow Jesus. And when you do, he invites you to become a child of God. That you're no longer a slave to the, to the things of this world that keep pulling you down and pulling you into regrets. But you are a child of God. If that's you, and you want to receive Christ, you want to receive his gift, then would you just pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I need you. And I just admit right now, I have a lot of regrets. I have things I regret that I've done. I have things I regret that I failed to do. But Jesus, right here and right now, I'm not going to fail to recognize that I need you. And so I am so grateful that, that you show yourself as, as the loving one who's come for me. And today I just confess I have sins. 
I have faults, I have failures. I need forgiveness. I need restoration. I need to let go of, of the things of this world that, that as I'm holding on to them, they keep pulling me down. And I need to hold on to you, my rescuer. So thank you for reaching your hand down to me. Because right now I reach my hand up to you. Thank you for grabbing hold of me and pulling me up from the mess that I've made with my life. I believe. I believe in you, Jesus, my Savior. Thank you for making me a child of God. Jesus, it's in your name I pray.